0: The tennis fundamentals, the serve, the volley, and the smash. This month, we are doing tennis. What better way to take advantage of the great weather than with a game of tennis? I have no chance in the match. He's the number one in the world, and I'm playing with the metal hit. Hey, Big Joe. What's happening, buddy?
1: Oh, not much, man. Oh, just a Tuesday night, baby.
0: Yeah, hey, you know, we haven't really... We haven't been, we didn't podcast right after the open. I've been, I was at work today and I was like, what am I, I'm just looking at like Excel sheets and emails from people. I'm like, what the fuck? There's no, I don't have the second screen with all the scores up on on this or that tournament. I'm in a total tennis hangover right now.
1: (laughs) It was a good two week stretch, man. It was so good. I feel, I feel that though, man. I'm uh, not checking scores and stuff all day. It feels strange.
0: I mean, it's good to have football back for for our <laughs> colleagues at Barstool and all that stuff. I, that's that gets you through a couple of days of the week for sure. But um, is Iowa taking out um, Penn State this weekend? Oh
1: boy! So fourteen and a half point underdogs, Iowa. I'm. I've been thinking about that line for the past two days. Like, I'm not sure if I'm pulling the trigger on it yet or not. I don't uh, – man. So, here's the thing. So, this has kind of, like, become a little bit of a rivalry. Uh, so, there's, like, some bad blood between Iowa and Penn State the last couple of times they played each other. So, <laughs> a couple of years ago, I was actually at the game in Iowa City, and uh, there seemed to be an inordinate amount of uh, – Penn State players going down, going down injured, uh, as Iowa after an Iowa big play as they were driving. And some fans, pretty much all the fans in the stadium, uh, thought the injuries were fake, just kind of to slow Iowa's momentum. So there was a lot of booing. And then, and then after the game, Penn State coach kind of made some comments about how he didn't think the booing was, uh, Good for good for college football, and there is a little back and forth between him and uh, Iowa's coach Kirk Ferentz. So, kind of some bad blood here. So, might might be a little chippy. It's a whiteout game in Happy Valley, so (laughs) emotions are going to be high for sure. Uh, So, normally I love Iowa in this matchup. However, I actually believe Penn State's national championship material this year. Wow, they're they're in a tough division though. They got to get through Michigan and Ohio State just to get out of their division, make it to the Big Ten championship. So I, I don't know. So it'll, it'll be tough for them to make the playoff, I guess, is what I'm saying. But I think they're a top five team up there with Michigan, maybe Texas, Georgia. Uh, so I say all that to say I have no idea what's going to happen. And as an as an Iowa fan, I've given up betting on Iowa. I believe it's just too emotional for me.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. How do, how do you get the inside information on the whiteout? Mm,
1: so that's uh, I think it's been planned. It's been in the works for a few weeks now.
0: <laughs> Are you on like student section Twitter, or uh, <laughs> you have, your, have a girlfriend there, or something?
1: <laughs> no, I just watch a lot of TV. <laughs> I follow a lot of <laughs> follow a lot of college football stuff. Gotcha. So yeah, I think uh, I was wearing some uh, some alternate uniforms as well. They're, they'll be wearing black pants. Usually they wear the gold pants, so that'll be interesting. Look forward to it, ladies
0: and gentlemen. Hawkeyes uh, <laughs> black pants. So, do you, you said you know we some days you get a chance to watch all day long. Maybe you didn't catch as many uh, of some of the matches. I wonder if you want to just start at the semis and just talk about the big picture, where we stand here at the end of the season, effectively that the Grand Slam season on starting with the men's. I, I do want to go back to the quarters just uh, to talk about Zverev. Yeah. Love it. Um, really good showing. Um, he beat Yannick Sinner in, in a, in a classic five setter. Um, he, he really seemed to, he, he put himself up a notch in my book uh, as, as kind of the next crop, the one step down from the main guys. Um Shout out to Zverev for a good performance, but he did, he did not make the semi because because then he, he loses to uh, what to either Alcaraz or Medvedev, right?
1: Alcaraz, yeah. So yeah, that was a heck of a that Zverev center match was insane. I believe you were there, right?
0: Yeah, I was. I actually uh, caught like boy, let's see. May, maybe we were at the bar for the first in between uh, after the Sabalenka match, and then we went in for two sets. And then it was about, boy, I don't know, 10, 11, 30. And we were like, we have to we have to go. It was Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, or it was Monday night. It was Labor Day Monday. And it's still a long ride back. They, I mean, if, if we had stayed till the end and then rode back, we might be home at 4 in the morning.
1: <laughs> it was a late one for sure, man. But, yeah, electric match. Uh, and I, I think uh, I completely agree with you with Zvera being, uh, you know, one step below kind of the, the top, you know, Djokovic. Uh, and that's kind of where he was before his injury. He was kind of like, you know, this Vera Medvedev, uh, Ru- Rublev, maybe, uh, throw somebody else in there, maybe a center. Uh, but yeah, yeah. yeah he's coming back from his injury and he's, so that's, that's always great to see somebody come back from it. That was a brutal injury he had. So great to see him back and playing well, but yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause that was a heck of a match.
0: Oh, we should also talk about the, the Nazi slur uh, drama, I'm, which I'm sure you read up a little bit. Whoa, I actually don't know about this. So <laughs>
1: for the audience, I was actually at a wedding uh, the weekend of the semis and the finals. So I wasn't able to watch as much as I would have liked. But beautiful wedding in Tahoe. Loved it. But anyways,
0: go ahead. Congrats, intern Cole. Um, no, not really. <laughs> uh no uh so i sh- I, sh- I shouldn't say nazi right away but that's it that is what it's about so basically zverev started flipping out and he's he's yelling at the umpire he's say, he's saying like this fan just yelled one of the uh one of the most unutterable phrases associated with with my country or something like that and they and they kicked the fan out and i'm, I'm presuming that they said you know because he's German, they just did something lazy. They're like, you're a Nazi, you're like, boo. Maybe they said, Heil Hitler. We shouldn't even put anything on our fucking podcast. But I'm, I'm telling you this story. This is, this is how it went out. Uh, but apparently, uh, our guy Ravi like, d- did the deep research on it. And it was some other um, like German language phrase that you or I or most fans, or maybe even most umpires, you might think, wouldn't recognize as like a slur or an offensive fate. Like they're going into the like Eastern European deep cut uh, 1930s references. But of course, being German, he did know it. So it did it did affect him mentally, but he, he, he basically, uh, you know, let it be known right away that it wasn't cool. And whether the umpire knew the deep cut or not, they took his word on it. They weren't messing with any cancel culture stuff, and they they sent the fan out regardless.
1: Wow. Okay. I had not heard any of that. That's interesting.
0: Interesting stuff. So don't do or don't go look up what the phrase is, and I mean use it with your friends. That's a, you know you don't need to know, but that's basically the the gist of uh, Zverev getting the fan kicked out for um for try, for trying to pull a fast one on everybody and yell some sort of inane. Uh, cruel things to, to a foreign player because they, because they knew the culture and presumably were from somewhere over there. Hmm. Um, that's all on Zverev. Let's let's talk, uh, let's talk semis. Um, most of it, um, well, Alcaraz, we don't get Alcaraz Djokovic. Um, what were you thinking about Medvedev by the time he was in the final?
1: So man, great tournament for Medvedev. We got the, uh, Rematch of what the 2021 U.S. Open final, where Medvedev actually pulled off the win against Djokovic. So yeah. that's that's kind of interesting. But yeah, we didn't get the Alcaraz Djokovic final. Uh, seemed like the whole tennis world wanted it. But I think uh, maybe Medvedev used that as some motivation. Like uh, everyone's overlooking us. Like it's just just Novak and Alcaraz's tournament. Like there's other people here. So I I. I, I I'm very proud of Medvedev for uh, making it to the final. He he played really well. I think uh, Cole texted us in like uh, maybe the quarters or maybe the fourth round. He was saying Medvedev looks like he might be able to win the whole thing. So shout out to Cole for the <laughs> for the uh, good call on Medvedev.
0: Good prognostication. I think I was th- saying the same thing you just said about. Um, just the fire from, from everyone talking Alcaraz, Djokovic incessantly that Medvedev's going, I I have to be, I mean, just based on not just the last six months of results, but give me two years and I, and I'm have to be like right up on the same footing.
1: Yeah. And he's 2021 U S open champion too. So he's
0: like, (laughs) yeah, he's, he's right there for sure. So, but Djokovic still kind of takes care of business.
1: Yeah. Straight sets
0: um ben shelton the emergent superstar uh probably a lot of people didn't know his name if you don't listen to love means nothing we've been a fan of him since early early on um what a year um a lot of i mean we've talked about the the sort of like rise all year and, and how exciting it's, it's been for him to come on the radar tons of losing like tons of yeah. early exits and and uh, getting spanked out there, but he he found the huge serve. He found the swagger, and um, I imagine we're going to see him in quite a few ads and <laughs> t- TV moments in the next year.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. He loves the big stage, loves the camera. He's he's made for that. He's like media darling. And he uh, broke out this year at the Australian Open. I believe he made it to the quarters, uh, maybe the fourth round, at least the fourth round. I think it was the quarters, though. And then, like you said, between the Australian Open and the US Open, a whole lot of losing. I know he went several months there without winning two matches in a row. Uh, so he, I mean, he's such a young kid. It's his, I think, his first full year on the tour. He's obviously going to have some growing pains. Uh, so, a huge tournament for him here in New York, man. All, the, all the way to the semis. Yeah, he's got the uh, the phone celebration, he's dialed. Apparently that's a, that's what Chris Eubanks said that means he was commentating a few matches. I believe Patrick McEnroe asked him like, "What is the what is the
0: phone celebration mean?" He's dialed, baby. He's dialed in. He's focused. Mm-hmm. But then, but I don't know, Joe, because then he hangs it up on you when he beats you.
1: <laughs> that's true. <laughs> and that's what uh, so that's what Novak did after he beat Shelton in the semis, right?
0: Yeah, so if anybody can find this video, or if you want to work uh, as another unpaid intern and we'll <laughs> stitch it together, you have to see Shelton do the celebration after beating Francis Tiafo because he really, he's really theatrical about it. And it, it seems very cocky and might it might even come off the wrong way, especially beating another American and just kind of being coming out of nowhere. Like he hasn't earned this spotlight other than in this tournament. And he really, he really, Slams the phone on on Tiafoe after beating him, and then Djokovic, after beating him in straight sets, calmly, calmly does the phone celebration. I was impressed with the research on Djokovic's team. I mean, he's got to worry about keeping his <laughs> ankles cool, and he, you know, maybe what's where Shelton's gonna serve for him to go deep and get the celebration <laughs> so that he can pull that at the end.
1: I think, uh, dude, those guys at the top, like the the extreme competitors in any sport, they know. Everything that's going on, like uh, their team is so locked into like every player, all their, I'm um, certainly all their like on court uh, tendencies and things like that, and apparently even the celebrations,
0: all the way till the end. Totally. Uh, the uh, what's it called, Joe? It, you know, in like chef culture, the the sort of oh the, the piece peace to resistance. <laughs>
1: into some culinary school here love it <laughs> oh, that's great wait what is that
0: i think i i understand that to mean like like the little like the little flourish that's like this you thought this was all great it was a great meal or a great little presentation but uh this this really put it over the top huh. uh, i'm getting on google the most important or remarkable feature So that's that's a little more mainstream and broad. Okay. I'm using it somewhat ironically, I guess. (laughs) Um, What if I... I'll do this for the listeners. We'll try to add some more stuff like this since it went so great last time. (laughs) We are looking at how to pronounce this expression from French that you could also refer to as masterpiece, magnum opus, or masterwork, meaning the most important or remarkable feature, especially with reference to creative work. Of course, from French, it literally translates into piece of resistance. But how would you go about pronouncing it? In French, this would be said piece de resistance. There
1: you go. All right. Love it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, so that's the men's side for me. Any, any other comments?
1: I do have a couple. So three American men into the quarters. First time since 2005. How about that?
0: Awesome. Awesome. It was a great two weeks. It was an awesome tournament for the Americans. We have not even begun to talk about it.
1: Yeah. Tiafo, Shelton, Fritz all into the quarters. Uh, I did want to mention somebody that caught my eye at the Australian this year. It was Yuri Lahetchka at the U.S. Open on the men's side. Matteo Arnaldi, 22-year-old Italian, made it to the fourth round, lost to uh, Alcaraz in the fourth round. But I saw a lo- saw a lot of that match. Thought he looked really good against Alcaraz. Uh, I think he's somebody to watch for the future.
0: Love it. The Italians are tough.
1: Yeah, Italian tennis having a renaissance.
0: Yeah, they're they're a machine. Um, I mean, this maybe it's wrong, but it's it's a little bit in the spirit of the podcast to to just overlook the enormous achievement of Djokovic and twenty four <laughs> slams. He brought out the Kobe Bryant T shirt, yeah. apparently a good friend of his, uh, number two four. We're we're trying to speak to the young fan and I and the people that are excited about the future. That you know, podcasts are a very modern medium, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> right but you know that's obviously all well and good.
1: Yeah, 24 slams tying Margaret Court for the most all-time. So, a huge achievement there. And I mean in my opinion, he's going to get several more. He might get 30. I mean, we'll see.
0: Yeah. What would at this point what's the new cool When he's really almost not favored, what? Where? When are they going to say like, "Oh God, if you could really get there, like it'll be thirty because it's a round number"? Or you know, Mm. is it is it that he's the first one to do it when he's fifty? Like what what's what would be a huge unlock that he could do potentially? So
1: okay, that's interesting. So we think we think for sure he'll get at least you know a couple more. So I mean, I think twenty five would be huge. Getting you know being the most ever you know, alone not tied with Margaret Court, but I think that would be a big one. Uh 30 obviously huge. Uh he can maybe has he already the oldest person to win a slam? I guess I don't know that. So if he's not already, that would be a big milestone there too.
0: I think the calendar slam's probably eluding him at this point. Just too much Oh
1: sure, yeah. That's probably out of the question now. Yeah. And he was close in the what was it, 2020 or no? It's 2021 uh, when he lost to Medvedev mm-hmm. in the final. So he was that close. I think he won the first three in 2021.
0: So, yeah, he was that year, and I mean, absolutely he was tearing through this year until until the big Alcaraz moment really came of. Yeah,
1: and I wonder uh, most titles all time, not Grand Slams, just any title. I wonder he, where he's at on that list, because that would be a big big milestone. I think Federer's probably got the most titles.
0: Just total racking them up across, getting all the way down to, you know, how low do they count those? Any ATP? I think yeah, any, any ATP title. Love it. We'll, uh, I'm sure we'll be doing his obituary over the next couple of years here. <laughs> so here's the here's the big story I came online to tell. Uh, I haven't really talked to you guys about it much at all. I, I wanted to like bottle it up and, and, and save it. So the day of the women's semifinal. <laughs> we have planned, my fiance and I and some other friends. Uh, one of these, you know, we're, we're getting a little older. One of these like mellow Saturdays, Joe, where we were going to, we actually rented a car to leave New York City and go about two miles north or sorry, two hours north um, to, like, a little art town to, like, as I understood the plan, like, have coffee and go to art galleries and, like, little stores that sell mugs and incense and stuff. Okay. Am I painting a picture for you? Excellent. Yeah, it sounds great. We're in such a store just like that. I don't know. Some people are, are actively shopping. I'm kind of, like, looking at a cookbook. That You know, I don't have cookbooks or anything like that. I'm just kind of killing time, enjoying, enjoying a pretty, uh, laid back mini road trip day. When I get the big call, um, from Z shout out Z, she's not listening, but, uh, Z calls and she, she's my, she's my fiance's sister. And we've talked about Coco golf a lot and we, and watched together once or twice. So I figured she was going, are you, are you nervous? Are you ready? And it turns out she's saying, um, "I have the extra ticket." Whoa, whoa! So I'm immediately like, "I, I this, I'm gonna throw up because I, I'm not around. i mean, I'm, in, I'm in, I was in Beacon, New York. I was like, I can't do it." Thankfully, the the local among us, Sophia's like, "No, no, 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 no. no. You have to go. Like, this is your calling." It was within like. Eight minutes of this phone conversation, I'm on a train heading back to New York.
1: Shout out, Sophia. Oh <laughs> man,
0: that's that's fantastic. All of a sudden I'm on the metro. All of a sudden, I go from Grand Central Station straight out to the tournament and and I'm in my seat, like within a couple of hours. It, it was it was unbelievable. I felt like I was getting I feel like I was a combination between like uh, Jack Ryan and like someone that just got unexpectedly drafted to the NBA. Like I was like, everything is happening right now. <laughs> a world, a total whirlwind. Um, and it was just a phenomenal experience. It was, it was very, very special to me as anybody who listens to this might imagine, as you know, um, it, I don't think I've been more pumped about a sports outcome maybe ever. And I certainly haven't been more, Convinced of my own contributions to the outcome as a fan since like high school hockey.
1: <laughs> this is great! Wow, this—I mean—that's that, incredible!
0: Wow, it, it was super cool to be there. And the first one, um, we—I mean—we've been talking about the potential. The more that builds up, and we talk about it, the more it becomes sort of like a, a, a sort of nervous thing instead of an exciting thing about a young player for Coco Goff to go out and just like kind of secure the bag, uh, in true style, great, badass victory. I, I can get into some of the nuts and bolts of it as I saw it, if you want, but, um, yeah, super, we're, we're exuberant on, on the podcast here for our newest American champion.
1: Yes. Shout out Coco Goff, man. So, did you make it for the beginning of the match?
0: Yeah, right at the beginning. I mean, it was—it was like a a dream sequence. Wow. I was right there at the beginning.
1: That's incredible, man. Oh man, that's great
0: atmosphere. I'm sure it was. I think they were handing me my Heinekens as they were cheering as the players walked on the court, as if I was in like an American Express commercial.
1: <laughs> so you're drinking Heineken and not Honey deuce,
0: huh? I did a Honey Dew. <laughs> The other, the the first, the Sunday night, um, honestly, pretty good. I don't always go for the signature cocktail because I have my own things I like to drink, but um, (laughs) 22 bucks on the honeydew. 22 bucks. Holy
1: moly. Probably pretty sugary too, huh?
0: If you're a guy like you and me, like you're not going to have one, you're going to have two, right? So you're starting in around 50 bucks. (laughs) It's just not doable.
1: Yeah. That's interesting. Huh? So. So, what did you see out of Coco in in her finals match?
0: I I mean I saw what I think we saw a lot in the tournament is like a lot of just will to win, just um, staying in it and winning the right games. I'll I'll point to I'll point to two things that are that are related. So the first thing that I, I was probably noticing and maybe just being nervous about it is that like I would say Sabalenka probably hit way more errors for sure, but way more winners. Mm. There was many a time when Coco was just like totally on her heels, way behind the line. She's not controlling the point. She's just playing her, her signature incredible defense and putting the ball back, um, which more often than not pays off. And Sabalenka does make an error and, and she's going to win. But uh, it didn't, I don't know. It didn't feel like all the confidence of, of someone taking control of the match. Uh, so, so take that happening basically throughout the match. I felt, but what turned it and turned some of that defense into into more points and just the right amount of games to win is that uh, she double f- she lost her serve um, maybe two, maybe even three times in the first set, um, and she broke she broke as well. So they were kind of trading breaks in the first. Mm. Coming out in the second. She, she, I think she double-faulted the first point coming out. So she's down a set, she comes out and she double-faults the very first point of the second set. You might think, oh, this is not good. Is she just feeling the pressure of the moment and this whole stadium is going nuts rooting for her? But what it actually turned out to be, she double-faulted a number of times again in that set and, and in the third, but she did not get broken on her serve because she had – bigger serves, more control of the points, more aces. So I think coming out and putting a couple double faults on the line and making sure she holds uh, made it worth it to be able to just play long rallies and a lot of defense against Sabalenka and, and turn those sets into uh, into routes for her ultimately by the time it got around to the third.
1: Wow, great analysis. The game within the game, man. So she changed up her uh... – Going for bigger serves, more aces. That's interesting. Is that uh is that the Brad Gilbert effect? Guys everywhere, man.
0: Brad yeah, Brad, <laughs> you know, he just he just keeps the confidence, uh keeps everyone calm out there. He well, his whole philosophy they said is I don't know if I said this on the last episode, but I, I heard him say somewhere that he was they're always they're always they're always tough on Coco Goss' forehand. I think not because it mm. is trash, but because with it she you'd be talking about a really 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 complete player mm. if she if it was as good as other parts of her game. Mm. Um and apparently Gilbert came in and say like don't don't like let's not over focus on fixing that. Let's focus on what you're good at.
1: Oh, I've heard uh Patrick glue who is like one of Serena's longtime coaches. He's I've heard him say the same thing. Focus on your strengths. That's interesting. Okay. And I do have to say I was giving Brad a lot of shit on the last episode about uh I wouldn't want my coach to also be doing the broadcast. Darren, Darren Cahill, who I love, who's on the ESPN broadcast, he's center's coach, so he was. I noticed that he was doing double duty too. So apparently, I just have no
0: idea what I'm talking about. But good for Coco, man. Love it. Look, do these guys not make enough money? Like, (laughs) wouldn't you just want to take? I mean, even if you weren't going to go read the playbook again, would you want to take a break and watch a couple matches? I mean, do you do you need to be kind of like on? think of how much talking and like energized just vocalizing you would do during the course of coaching. And then, and then speaking on TV.
1: (laughs) I completely agree. That's where uh, I'm different than a lot of people. Like there's no way in hell I could do that. Like if I'm coaching a player in the U S open, like when their match is over, I'm exhausted. (laughs) There's no way I'm going to do TV after that. So
0: man, good for those two. You're going in the ice bath bath next to him. I know you are.
1: <laughs> from from sitting in the box, yeah. Oh man, so jeez, what a what a tournament for Coco though, man. Great summer for her. So she was saying in her encore interview, uh, she kind of thanked the haters. So did you? You stayed for the interview? I'm sure. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's a great interview. So she kind of thanked the haters at one point and said. You know, like three weeks ago, I, I won a 500 event. People said, like, it was going to end there. Like, or two weeks ago, I won a 1,000 event. Because she was playing great in this summer leading up to the U.S. Open. Like, won her first 1,000 event. And people said, oh, that's the best, like, she's going to do. And then I came here, and now I'm ho- hoisting the trophy. And I, I was like, damn, that's great, man. I love it. Hell of a yeah. summer for hopefully uh, continues next year. Hopefully we get a run of domination out of Coco.
0: For sure. Hopefully we're in just a, an awesome era here uh, that coincides nicely with our pod kicking off. Um, yeah, the, the the haters speech was great. Everyone got a big <laughs> had a big reaction to that. What do you think about who the haters are? Are you do, do, who's who's Coco listening to? That's the haters. That's, <laughs> that's
1: a good question. I always wonder that. Like whenever like. The same thing like Travis Kelsey and Mahomes like when they won the Super Bowl, Kelsey's like nobody gave us a chance. It's like, <laughs> dude, what are you talking about? Like everyone's picking the Chiefs. But like I, I think uh, they just uh, get that those like extremely competitive athletes. Man, that find the find the one hater, and just use that as fuel. I love it though, man. It's a it works, and but I feel like Coco actually maybe did have some critics like. I don't know. Uh, just because she was like so hyped at such a young age. because She's been on the tour for what three years now, two or three yeah. years. So and uh, maybe some people thought she would win a slam sooner than this. But I mean, she's only 19 years old. This is nuts. Just seems like she's older because she's been around for a few years. But man, and she's uh, the youngest uh, American to win a slam since uh, Serena won the U.S. Open in 99, I believe.
0: Definitely. I mean, every, every stat does just go back to Serena. Sabalenka. Number one, Shviatek, number two, Coco Goff, number three.
1: How about that?
0: Yeah. Cool.
1: Yeah. So knocking off the world number one in the finals.
0: Pretty badass. Any Any, any, uh, you know, you know who else we should shout out um, how about Madison keys?
1: Yeah. Maddie keys. Great tournament from her.
0: So her M.O. is she basically, um, I don't know, I, I'd be hard-pressed to say she was ever in the top 10. Um, but she has competed now in the final against Sloane Yep. She's in the semifinal against Sabalenka, and they went to three sets. Sabalenka just turned on the the psycho power at some point. But um, she's kind of just, like, solid and unfazed, and um, she's a power hitter. And I guess can just knock people off and sort of just ride her way out to the end of these tournaments here and again.
1: Yeah, I feel like she's, like, one of those, like, when they say in boxing, like, they got a puncher's chance. Like, she's throwing haymakers. Like, Mm -hmm. so on any given day, like, because the way she plays, like, She's she's going for winners. She's trying to get out of points as quickly as possible, short rallies like. She I mean she's she, kind of like Ostapenko, like if she's on and she's like she's hitting her spots like she can beat anybody. Just like uh so yeah, so she went 6-0 over Sabalenka in the first set and then second and third sets both went to tiebreakers. So Keyes is Keys is that close to the US Open final. Almost said an All American final.
0: Right. How, yeah, we love it. Um, again, we've we've talked about it. We'll continue to. That's that's what we're that's what we're here for. But um, <laughs> home court advantage thing is unbelievable. As I said, I was absolutely focused on screaming at the right time and and making it a hostile environment for Sabalenka, making it a, a fueling environment for Coco. So what I was thinking is just like. How interesting is that, that that's basically happening in every single football game, right? But if you would go the next day and watch uh, Djokovic and Medvedev, I don't know, It's you kind of don't have that same environment. Like if an American's not playing, mm. you kind of have a whole different uh, atmosphere for for the match.
1: Right, their home soil is huge, yeah. I feel like uh, the truly greats of the greats, like the Federer's, the – the Djokovic's and the Dolls, like, I feel like they've got fans that travel or they've just got fans everywhere. But, yeah, it's it's uh, definitely that home soil, <laughs> having an American in the match, definitely a different atmosphere at the U.S. Open.
0: I-, I love that we're still just, you know, we're rooting on countries, even though it basically means nothing. Um, <laughs> you know? Essentially they don't keep score of any of this stuff, although we are going to talk about the labor here in a second.
1: Yes. I do want to shout out uh often my uh under the radar pick, Elena Ostapenko. Did oh, we no. I don't know if we talked about this on the last episode or not? I think we covered it. Oh, right? we did. Okay. So knocked off you – know, you always want to talk about <laughs> yeah. it, <didn't> <laughs> knocked That's off good. Iga in the in the fourth round, around a sixteen, uh, and then lost to Coco in uh, the quarter. So good showing out of Ostapenko. Shout out Caroline Wozniacki. I believe we mentioned this on the last episode as well. Made it uh, back to the fourth round and also lost to eventual champ Coco in the fourth round. So good to see her coming back. She uh, took a few years off, had a couple kids. So She's making a comeback. And I thought she was playing really well. It took Coco to three sets in the fourth round. So hopefully uh, Wozniacki's around for a while.
0: I want to. Sh- I have an under the radar value pick for uh, next season. Yes,
1: love it, love it.
0: Somebody who didn't win a slam this season.
1: Okay, we're talking men's or women's.
0: Women's, and that's the end of the answer. <laughs> okay. The the variety in the women's is just all that much more than the men's. This year we had three new winners out of four, right? Uh, is that right? Many, many new entrants to the final. Many people who were right there. This and even if we've been talking a lot about, like you know, when's Anjouberg gonna gonna be right there, and maybe Jess Pegula's, you know, finally turns it up the next notch. Um, Mihova was it was mm. it pretty tough out in this tournament for Coco. Um,
1: she had a really nice summer, Mihova.
0: Caroline Garcia. I mean there's there's someone i'm not i'm not thinking of like there's someone who we might not even really know that much about that is is going to all of a sudden be like a name player by the time we're doing this podcast episode next year okay that's, that's my under the radar general <laughs> i like that
1: i like it somebody's coming out of nowhere next year
0: on the women's on the men's we'll get them all right we're we're <laughs> not going to get surprised we will we'll we'll have pretty much the lineup ready for everybody but the women is there's just like it's just a different game it's really cool yeah
1: okay i like that prediction that's interesting
0: Thanks, man. <laughs> you want to talk about uh you want to talk about labor for a little bit just to like pretend we're excited about the next thing i <laughs> I don't know how much I'll be watching.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, Laver Cup coming up this weekend, September 22nd through the 24th. It's in Vancouver this year. Uh, I'm actually going to another wedding this weekend, so I probably won't be able to see as much of it as I'd like. Uh, Congrats, Mr. <laughs> Solomon. <laughs> Not my own wedding.
0: Sorry, <laughs> my- I, I was talking about your mom.
1: <laughs> She's uh, happily married. Uh, so, Labor Cup. So, for those in the audience that aren't aware, it's Europe versus the world team format. Kind of similar to, uh, for you golf fans out there, the Ryder Cup, which is U.S. versus Europe. Somewhat similar. Uh, so, we got uh, Team Europe this year. is Rublev, Casper Rude, Hubie Herkach, Davidovich Fakina, Arthur Fees, an interesting pick, and Gael Monfies. Captain by Bjorn Borg, uh, Vice Captain Thomas Enquist. And for Team World, we got Taylor Fritz, Tiafo, Tommy Paul, Felix Oje, Ali who who we've mentioned several times on the pod, has had a tough year this year. Uh, ben Shelton and Francisco Sarandolo. uh, Alternates are Chris Eubanks and Milos Rayanich. Uh, Captain by John McEnroe, Vice Captain his brother Patrick McEnroe. So, I love it. Yeah, so nice, uh, good roster, I think, on the, on the U.S. side. Obviously, Felix has had some struggles this year, um, so we'll see how he does. But sometimes guys uh, rise to the occasion in a team format. So, yeah, it's just, just a, a one-weekend one tournament. Uh, I believe all six players play at least one singles match, and then there are several doubles matches as well. Uh, and yeah, it spans a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I, I've watched it in the past. It's like usually in an indoor in uh, indoor arena. I believe it is again this year. It's like uh, looks like a great atmosphere on TV. Honestly, like Federer's played in this. Nadal, Djokovic has played in it. Like they take it very seriously. They want the uh, the bragging rights, the supremacy. Kyrgios has played in it. Chapovalov, I believe Jack Sock has played in it uh, for the world team. So. Yeah, it uh, should be a good event.
0: So I, I have an, a, any number of comments. We should, we should just kind of ramble on this for a little bit, just just kind of uh, improv on this. You like the event. Do you like the um, – you said it's is it the Ryder or the Davis. Which one is the golf one? The Ryder Cup, yeah. What's, and what's the Davis?
1: So the Davis is uh, actually going on right now. So also it's kind of the World Cup of Tennis. So the Davis Cup is kind of like – so the, the Laver is uh, Europe versus the world. The Davis Cup, you actually play for your country. So it's like many countries. So I believe 16 countries qualify. Uh, the U.S. qualified this year. They did not uh, make it out of the group stage. So that actually just happened. That group stage of the Davis Cup was going on this past week. Uh, so there's we're down to eight countries left in the Davis Cup. Then the Billie Jean Cup is the women's uh, – version of the davis cup so it's kind of the women's uh tennis world cup and the u.s is in the field of 12 in that and that will i think those matches are going to take place in november so davis cup i think the, the davis cup we just had the group stage and then we'll have like kind of the next stage also in november so i believe the finals of the davis cup and the Billie jean cup kind of go on at the same time
0: would you agree that relative to the popularity of the sport, the the Davis Cup is a lot more popular than the Labor Cup?
1: Mm, that's interesting. So they are they are very different. Yeah, it is kind of like because you know in the Davis Cup you can back your country, uh, which is always like you know a sense of pride. So a lot of people take pride in it. I've followed a lot of tennis players on uh, Instagram and they were all you know posting videos of uh, them like watching their uh, their uh, compatriots play in the in the Davis Cup and they were very excited. So yeah, I, I, I don't know. I would say yeah, Davis Cup's probably much more prestigious. The Laver Cup's kidding. just one one weekend, it's just kind of a more of a fun event, although they do take it really seriously. I remember one year, uh, I think uh, like it came down to like a curious Federer singles match. To like winner won <laughs> the Laver Cup, and it was like super
0: intense. Uh, do you think it should be more popular? Are people missing out for not watching?
1: Not watching the Laver? Yeah, I uh, I don't know if it should be more popular than the Davis or the Billie Jean. Probably not. Uh, but i think it, it should be more popular in general for sure i think it's a, more
0: it's popular a, in general yeah
1: i think it's a great event i uh i would definitely be watching uh if i wasn't going to a wedding this weekend but yeah definitely it's a, it's a great atmosphere and i love like the team aspect of it uh and i've heard like some other players say that uh that some guys on tour they play better uh as part of a team rather than because tennis is such an individual sport it's so uh so intense and Ways on your mind. yeah. The team aspect is fun for them.
0: Um, quick, quick Billy Jean King comment that I forgot to mention. You know how, uh, you know how she's always wearing like a purple jacket and stuff.
1: <laughs> okay. I didn't, I didn't uh, realize that. Okay. She's,
0: she's kind of, she's kind of always wearing like a purple jacket. And I thought it's just like her and Elton John have the same stylist. And like, they kind of have a similar look with like, they're kind of stocky and have like big ridiculous glasses but I realized watching all the WTA graphics and watching her give the trophy to Coco that's the color of the WTA she invented it. Ah uh, wow okay <clears throat> She's like she's like the CEO <laughs> commissioner mascot all in one and best player.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Good for her, man. So have you seen the uh, the Billie Jean King movie with uh, uh, Emma
0: Stone and Steve Carell? No, I didn't see it. Okay. We got to talk about it for uh, when Challengers comes out next year.
1: Oh, man. Can't wait for Challengers. I was sad to see the release date got pushed back
0: the next year. But... Huge bummer. <laughs> it really was, man. <laughs> All right. Laver Cup, uh, more background. Started in 2017. seventeen. The first four – Cups, so to take one out for COVID, um, Team Europe, they won them all. Yeah. Team World won the first one last Cup, so it's a little bit of a tiebreaker this year. Okay, love it. Wait, wait, wait. Is it four to one? <laughs> Sorry, I'm, lo- I'm looking at it. I was looking at it two ways. It's not, a <laughs> it's not a tiebreaker at all, but uh shout out for us, quote unquote us. uh <laughs> our first one. Didn't make any sense.
1: I'm uh, su- I'm surprised I didn't know that. I would have guessed Europe had won all of them so far. So that's nice.
0: Got a good one there. Um. So yeah, I want to I want to ask, how come we don't maybe get Russia? I know I don't know what they their uh, you know whatever it is, it's wrong. Whatever their sort of like political bearings are on their understanding of how the world is broken up is is clearly a little flawed, but. <laughs> But this isn't up to them. This is up to presumably that the ATP or at least uh, someone in the tennis world. How do we not get Russia as an Asian country? That's world. Hmm. So there, uh,
1: I feel like Russia kind of identifies with Europe historically though, right? Hmm. Like West, like I, like Moscow and St. Petersburg are like in the far Western part of Russia. I feel like they're, I don't know. The, uh, political center of the country like identifies more with Europe than Asia.
0: It's, it's a little funny business to me, <laughs> um, but it is unique to see, I mean, we are, we are just sort we're sort of used to being U S versus the world, right? That's how you see in basketball. That's just, you know, we're a big country and it, uh, that's, that's kind of how it always shakes out. So it's, it's cool that you get um, other characters from, like Australia, Canada, mm-hmm. uh, Argentina, South America. Yeah. Yep. So we got, uh, so yeah, so I mean, it's a little, this, this lineup's a little bit boring because um, Felix kind of sucks and uh, <laughs> I like the Sarundalo pick, but other than that, we just basically have the top four dudes.
1: Yeah. So I believe, I looked at this earlier today. So I think four of the six are chosen just based on uh, ATP ranking. So I think like, this is the top four in the world, and like top four in Europe are chose or are have the opportunity to be on the team. Obviously, they can, uh, deny, or uh, you know, choose not to play, which obviously a lot of the Europeans did this year, as we're missing Djokovic and some others. Uh, and then I believe two of the six are captains picks, and they can kind of pick anyone. So that must be like the Arthur Fee's pick, which I think is very interesting up-and-coming player who made the Europe squad this year.
0: That's got to be both the French picks, basically. Yeah. Guillaume Monfils' ranking isn't too great anymore.
1: Right, yeah, formerly a great
0: player. What do you think about McEnroe's pick of Sarundalo?
1: I like it. I think Sarundalo's, Sarundalo's an exciting player. I like that pick a lot. He's pretty tough. Yeah. I like the uh, Eubanks as an alternate as well.
0: Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Let's just see if I would give up. We should flip the tables and and I'll I'll hand over Canada. If we can't have Russia, what are we doing? Acting like we're team world. (laughs) And (laughs) this is all the
1: Americans. (laughs) So I, I actually just pulled this up. So only three of the six qualify based on ATP singles ranking and then are three captains picks so FAA must have been a captain's pick too because his rankings got to have slipped a lot, right? So Fritz Tiafo, Tommy Paul probably were the automatic qualifiers.
0: How about that?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point about the Americans there dominating the team world.
0: Although, how tough you think this, uh, how tough do you think this European team is without? Djokovic, not Akaraz, Al Medvedev. I
1: think the door's open this year for the world, man. Yeah. You got uh, your friend, the friendly ghost, Casper uh, Rude. <laughs> <laughs> who, who knows uh, how he's going to be playing. I, I'm becoming like a huge Hubie Hercotch fan. Right. <laughs> I love me some Hercotch, Rublev, good player too, but I mean, Fritz Tiafoe, Tommy Paul, and Shelton are all playing really well right now. Uh, it's is a really good player. FAA obviously has potential. He's, he's shown that, having a tough year, but you never know.
0: Laver Cup hard court indoor. Note that, too. Yeah. For some of these Shelton performances, right? Yeah, that'll be good for his big serve. Runa, the- did, Runa didn't even want to show up and play for Europe?
1: Yeah. It is kind of a – I mean – for what they could have had the European team, you're missing a lot of the big stars. So I think it's, I think it's team world's year. Keep it
0: going. Let's keep it going world. (laughs) Um, I'm not a huge fan. I will watch more that, as has been true with every single tennis thing this year. I'll watch more this year than I ever have before. I don't love the sort of like lights down pokemon stadium look to it all what do you think about that <laughs> that's interesting so
1: i i love the indoor look i love like the where it's like the crowd is like completely dark and there's only lights like on the court i i like that look i'm, I'm
0: gonna disagree with you there all right fair enough. fair enough we can we can have our spats every once in a
1: while <laughs> and i think i like it because uh my guy uh on I believe it's tennis TV. The that is outrageous. He uh (laughs) (laughs) whenever I watch uh clips of him, a lot of them are like in these like indoor arenas. So okay, uh, maybe they'll have him on.
0: (laughs) I would love that. Uh, I'm a fan of the indoor arena. Hey, we gotta check the TV rights on this thing. These these crazy days of streaming deals uh you know being a mess, basically. Did you read anything about Um, Comcast and Disney not being able to get a deal signed by the time the U.S. Open was over? No. A lot of people weren't able to watch on their cable.
1: Oh, ABC and yeah. 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 So uh, I hadn't heard that about this U.S. Open, but here in Iowa, a lot of people have Mediacom and they, for like, I want to say close to 12 months, uh, no ABC. They couldn't get come to a deal with Disney. Yeah, that's interesting.
0: So here's the direction that Disney's pulling. Because you and I and Cole noticed that, um, or at least two or three of us, two out of three of us noticed that. Like, like I, I pay for Hulu Live. Right. I didn't mean to pay for ESPN Plus or Disney Plus, but now, as part of the, this is the new future. I have them all, at least temporarily. This is the Disney bundle. They've they've given it to you as long as you have. Some amount of it, uh, which has been amazing. That's how I watched any match that I wanted during oh, the U.S. Wow, that's
1: that's excellent.
0: But they're for that, you know, to get people on board with that, they're pulling out a cable, saying like, you know, basically probably try to gouge them or nothing. Hmm. Interesting. So you have to get Hulu Live. Yeah, they want they want you to get in on streaming and just just right. record. not that then they're just going to be fighting with you know, the Peacock owns a lot of live stuff and it'll just become a new battleground, but they're definitely trying to at least not have to split it with cable.
1: Yeah. Wow. World's changing, man.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, (laughs) we, we are going to be laughing on our yachts for having been on the podcast here in the early year of 2023. You know what I mean? (laughs) What kind of, uh,
1: Medium, you think we'll have in fifty years?
0: I guess nobody knows is the answer to that, but I'm sure, there'll be some crazy stuff. I think people will be going for um, quality over quantity, and they'll probably pay you and I as opposed to listening in mass. Probably our our fifteen followers that we appreciate so much will like <laughs> pay us a little extra to come, and we'll just watch, spend the whole Saturday with them, and watch, you know, <laughs> the whole fourth round.
1: That. oh we should do a live show somewhere we should like rent like an old gymnasium somewhere set up some bleachers <laughs> have our uh, our 15 followers come and we'll do a little live show
0: maybe intern Cole could do like a stand-up opener
1: <laughs> oh man that'll be great.
0: Are you shuffling your notes? What, what else do you have on uh, on Labor Cup? All, the only rest thing I have is that, uh, I mean, the McEnroe-Bjorn Borg thing is really cool. We're going to talk about that in the Challengers episode two. These guys were great, great rivals um, back in the day and probably the two best-dressed sports competitors of all time. <laughs> that's an interesting
1: take. I like it. Uh, that's a, I don't have any more on the Labor Cup. I think uh, – I believe McEnroe and Borg have been the captains of their respective teams all five or six years, however long the Labor Cup's been going on. So they're well-versed. They know what they're doing.
0: Yes, true. Um, They probably, um, I got to guess, were a part of putting it together.
1: Yeah, I would guess so as well, yeah. (laughs) Boy, oh, boy. I want to say the Labor Cup was in Chicago one of these years. I could be wrong about that. I, I think it was in Boston one year. I believe it alternates between a European location and a world location each year. Maybe they'll come to Des Moines, Iowa at some point. Eighty
0: thirty-five, baby.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Maybe they'll uh, make it to Ohio, Sylvania.
0: Let's just hope for the future of the Love Means Nothing Road Show that they stick with Cincinnati for next year's uh, Thousand Tournament. We got a oh, lot to yeah. talk about this weekend. Um, I'll call you and Cole to talk about the future. Now that we've we've gone through a calendar Slam ourselves, and I would I mean I would say we did it.
1: <laughs> we essentially played in every Slam. I mean we're pretty
0: much on the tour now, right? We're on the radar. We're ranked, um, and people are going to be looking out for us next year.
1: <laughs> you know what I'm looking out for next year? The lifeguards movie.
0: Hey, shout out Johnny! Oh man, he's he's going to be pumped to hear that because he he does listen to this.
1: <laughs> so I uh, I I hear they they wrapped. The filming is done. It's uh, we're in the editing stage now. I believe Johnny made a post on. Uh, on Instagram, playing a little guitar solo, it brought tears to my eyes. I'm dead serious. <laughs> I almost commented something about, why is this making me
0: cry? But I felt like I shouldn't. I thought that'd be weird.
1: <laughs> it's a great post, man.
0: Well, he will know. He will believe you uh, in in its sincerity. And what we'll do is there's an opportunity to submit a photo and it'll be in like the background of scene as like an employee of the week.
1: <laughs> That's so good. Oh man. Oh, so like uh, fans submit a photo and they pick one. Uh,
0: I think it, I think whoever sends one in it'll, it'll be um, you know, like posted on a bulletin board in the background or something. Okay.
1: Gotcha. I'll be sure to send in my uh, professional headshot.
0: Yeah. We'll get you in there. Um, man. So much appreciated. All all good things. We got a wrap on lifeguards. We got a wrap on uh, season one. Not officially of love means nothing, but uh, the rest becomes like the gravy part of the season. You know what I mean? The sort of like the victory lap part. We're gonna have some fun episodes. Uh, for for the back half of the year. Right.
1: Yeah. Still have uh, Davis Cup, Billy Jean Cup. Labor cup atp finals uh so yeah still some tennis left but hell of a season
0: shout out coco goff the reigning women's champion the, the reigning american trophy holder
1: let's go let's go oh man oh wow goosebumps man
0: I'm going to go Uh, put it on ESPN Plus, the replay. I got all the rights to it. <laughs> go to bed. Go to bed at 1 o'clock in the morning.
1: <laughs> so are you going back to the U.S. Open next year?
0: Yeah, you bet, dude. Um, Hell yeah. It was, it was very much a thing. Every Everybody – It was in New York, It's one of those cool people things where it, people are like, oh, like – are, like, you kind of assume, are you going or what day are you going, whether anybody's talked about tennis or not. So I'm definitely in. I'm definitely um, – I, I got to talk to you guys on Sunday. We, we have a lot to plan for next year. Sounds good. Including in-person events. <laughs> Sounds great, man. All right. I'll I'll uh, I'll catch you on the next one. I'll, the next time we talk will be, off the record, putting together – exciting things for the fans here
1: excellent that's what i like to hear all right dude i'll see you then (laughs) all right see you thanks man have a good weekend you too yeah
0: the tennis fundamentals the serve the volley and the smash this month we are doing tennis what better way to take advantage of the great weather than with a game of tennis i have no chance in the match he's the number one in the world and i'm playing with the metal hit